Hi there. Welcome and thank you for listening in. I'm super stoked to have you with me. My name is Philip Hartmann and Being Dad is a show for dads. I meet and speak to unique dads, asking them to impart their wisdom and to share their experiences as dads with us. The reason for being dad is my own story. I became a father five times within 13 months. Yes, five times, 13 months. I was seriously underprepared and I struggled to find inspiring content for myself. By meeting and connecting with these men, I'm trying to learn all there is about being a dad. We cover heart-to-heart topics between two dads and our aim is to inspire other fathers. And with this, hopefully we can make a positive impact on families around the world. The best advice that I can give myself as a dad is to show my vulnerability, to show my kids how it's okay to make mistakes and that their daddy has made mistakes over and over and over again and will continue to make mistakes. Dave Bacon, my next dad, is an amazing man and dad. Dave's thoughts about being a dad are remarkable and his own story is remarkable as well. For instance, his dad, himself and his son were all born in a different century. Dave and his wife Heather have three children who are 11 and 7. He also has twins. Dave is the founder and CEO of Better with Bacon, recognized as best places to work, top 50 Colorado companies to watch, and he's been on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies three times. He's an avid skier and he's very active, and he holds numerous boards and positions in altruistic and charitable causes. Dave's father, Ernst Bacon, was a famous composer who had six children, 11 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. Dave was born in 1973. At that time, his dad was 75 and his mother was 30, so literally 45 years her senior. Dave was born a great uncle because his sister was already a grandma and of course his niece was older than him. A rather unusual but certainly interesting way of starting life. The session is really fun and it's beautiful. Dave opens up on his own upbringing and all the different perspectives and viewpoints he grew up with in such a unique family setting. Think about an 85-year-old trying to parent a 10-year-old. We cover the amazing gift COVID has given us, which is having more time together as families. And we talk about how we each handle COVID and the situation as families. As we do this session, I'm in lockdown with three, sorry, with four three-year-olds and two four-and-a-half-year-olds. So times are interesting. Dave shares some amazing tips on how he manages to improve his relationship with his children and I have to say he seems like an extraordinary human. For instance, the one time his eight-year-old had the idea of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro for a fundraiser for a local school over there, two years later they did just that and they raised 103,000 US dollars doing it. A simple idea became something amazing. Dave also shares how his kids and the family deal with death, how he tried to solidify his kids' impact on himself and how the arts and music impacts their lives on a daily basis. The most powerful takeaways from me as a dad were mandate your children to participate in the arts. Keep a field note for each child. Don't date the entries, give it to them later in life. This way they will know the impact they had on you and the world around them in a powerful way. Show your vulnerability to your kids. Make sure they understand you too make mistakes all the time. Something interesting. One million seconds are 11 days. 
1 billion seconds are 31 years. Our children are multiple time billionaires. What a lovely concept. Kids, do, kids must know that their ideas matter and also that their ideas are actionable. Think of Mount Kilimanjaro Day. Allowing my kids' ideas into my life is a great excuse to celebrate our relationship. And get everybody to write down three things they are grateful for and have them read it out over dinner. Over dinner. With this, please enjoy another session of Dedicated.com. Here is Dave Bacon. Thank you. Dave, I'm super stoked to have you. Thank you so much. I know that we've been trying to get uh, together for over a year. The first time I reached out to the community in EO, I got overwhelmed with like, I don't know, a hundred responses. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's not possible. So I just didn't... I, I tried and I tried and eventually I just left it. And so we picked up again, I think, what, four weeks ago, six weeks ago, and we started obviously and finally to schedule something. And so today I'm stoked to have you here. I know that you have a super interesting story yourself, but also your dad. Uh, I think you were born, I don't want to take away from it, so you make that intro, but uh, very, very interesting. And do you want to say a quick lines about yourself and then we launch into being a dad? Sure, Philip, and thank you. I'm I'm super stoked as well, and I'm a sucker for alliteration. Uh, I'm humbled and honored to be here. I really am. Uh, I've listened to your podcast, and you have amazing guests, and I've learned so much from them, not just through listening to you, but through the years of, of following them. So being a dad is is the most important thing that I do, and it's the uh, the piece of my identity that I am most proud of. So yeah, I um you know, I think it starts with my own dad. My father was born in 1898 and I was born in 1973. So if some quick math will tell you that he was 75 years old when I was born. My mother was 30, so there was a 45-year disparity between the two of them. They were both amazing musicians. My father was a world-class pianist and a, and a famous composer in classical musical circles. Uh, very, very accomplished, won many awards, uh, Pulitzer, Guggenheim. And my mother uh, lived and continues to live a, a life full of music. And uh, she was incredibly courageous to marry uh, a man 45 years her senior. And so I, I feel very lucky just to be here. I think we all should. We all won the sperm lottery. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I happened to, uh, to win an, an unusual uh, uh, lottery game there, given my father was, was so old. I, I often joke that this was all sans blue pill, pre-blue. And um, <laughs> somehow I, I came to this planet and to this earth and uh, am better for it. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy story. Yeah. I, you, your dad has, what, five children, 11 grandchildren, and one great-grandchild, right? Uh, yes. Uh, well, of course, my father is no longer alive. Um, he would be 122 if he was. Um, just last month, uh, you know, his 30th year of passing uh, uh, came by. So he's been, he's been gone now for 30 years. I was 16 when he, when he passed away. But he had five other kids. Um, 
And so my, my brothers and sisters are much, much older than me. Um, and they're with different mothers, of course. So they're half sisters, half brothers. But my oldest sister, Marga, she just turned a 90 last summer. So, um, you know, when I was born, she was a, a grandma. So actually I, I was, I was born a great uncle. Um, <laughs> if, if that's not, you know, that's, that's challenging to figure out, but you know, I, between know, I my, get it. Between my father, myself, and my firstborn son, uh, the three of us were each born in a different century. And that's really unique, certainly. And um, uh, so I actually find a lot of strength through that. I, uh, uh, I feel very fortunate every day that I'm here, and I try to convey that, uh, uh, that sense of gratitude through to all my children, just how lucky we are to be here and, and how much it's incumbent on us to seize every day. Make the most of it. And especially in these times, I, I don't know about you. Um, I'm in lockdown with all my children. We have, I have twins and triplets, yes. uh, three and four and a half. And then we also took in the nanny. Um, I basically started quarantining the family two weeks early because I knew what was coming. My brother is in China, so I saw him sitting through the, the first um, wave of it, so to speak. And I was like, yeah, okay, you know, Africa's not going to do much better. We're going into quarantine. And so I moved in the nanny as well with her child and um, Scotty. He is three. So now we have four three-year-olds and two four-and-a-half-year-olds in lockdown. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> But you yeah, are, you, like... <laughs> you are an extraordinary human being. And so too is your wife. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> you know, yeah, these are... These are incredibly challenging times uh, for yeah. us all, and we're going through adjustments of plenty through what is really extraordinary adversity. And from a parenting standpoint, uh, I'm finding it uh, to be very, very challenging. My wife and I are are, are you know, it's like flying a, a a plane and learning to fly at the same time. Uh, much of what we've tried to do as parents uh, for. 11 years now is, is being tested in a big, big way. And, um, you know, with that comes a lot of reasons to be, uh, grateful for the time that we get to spend together in such close quarters, 24 seven. But, uh, it, it, you know, we've had to change things considerably with our regimen and, and, uh, and keeping things fresh and keeping things optimistic and shielding them also from too much of the news or too much fear. Yeah, the fear is the problem. How, sorry, how many kids do you have again? You said it's 11 years. So. Yeah, we have three kids and we yeah. have twins as well. So we share that in common. Uh, but my son is 11 and my two daughters are seven. They're yes. the twins. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. you know what? I mean, COVID, we can cover it quickly, I guess, and then we move on because it's, yeah, it, this, this also shall pass. And I think, you know, it's, we are, are given, in my opportunity and i'm very lucky that our company is still running and we still have business all around me here in south africa yes uh friendly entrepreneurs and many in our eo chapter are going down hard because tourism is down and events is down and i mean this is now global yeah <clears throat> and but besides all of that and obviously everybody knows the global economy is is really coming down but We are given the unique opportunity where we are forced into a uh, deceleration of a world that is way too fast. 
way too busy, way too, if you want, unreflected, quickly do this, quickly that, let's go here, let's do this. And this um, lockdown that's happening from a family perspective and from a dad's perspective, I think has given us the unique opportunity where we are forced to spend time with the kids and the wives or partners. And we can now really spend that time with intent because yes. there's nothing else you can do. So, you know, make the most of it. And yes. it is a time of transformation where we can think about what we want and where we want to go and think deeply and then execute on that and execute hard. Because, you know, no one can tell me that the world will be the same after this. So I might as well be intentional around how I go through this period. And one big part of that for me is definitely family and how we want to do family. You know, and another part is business, but I mean, we talk to dads. So, yeah, I think it's it's amazing that that we get this gift. Like, think it about is a it. Gift. Everybody in my company is not commuting to work. There are a couple of people there who have children. You know, one particularly in a stand-up the other day, he was like, yeah, it's so amazing. I'm working from home. I see the kids. You know, I have yeah. one and a half hours a day times two in morning and evening extra and I can still do my work. And he does. And he's with the kids. And it's like, how amazing is this? And now clients and, you know, business partners realize that it's certainly possible. Uh, we've we've been working for remotely for 20 years already. We service customers in, in Germany and Switzerland and we're in South Africa. But hey, it's very possible and now people realize this. So I think there's enormous opportunity in that, family and business. Yes, there's cer there certainly is. And uh, if necessity is the mother of invention, certainly that is the case here. And uh, it, it may be the mother of intentionality in, in that invention. Uh, I find the same thing where this really is a gift and it's illuminated the importance uh, uh, for us with things such as the arts, like with music and with art and uh, uh, mandating that our kids are are participating in these things with much more yeah. rigor than previously. Uh, and it's uh, it's bringing the best out of them. And it is also in my wife and I too, where, these things have always been important to us and our kids have been uh, taking music and art classes for years. Uh, but now there's, they're, they're teaching themselves too in the absence of having a teacher here. Um, and uh, that's one example of how we're intentionally uh, illuminating things that are very important to us through this gift of having more time together. Yeah. Have you always worked from home? Because you do HR, hey? Are, um, are, yeah, I, are you used I, to the home office situation? I, I am very used to a home office situation, and so are my employees. Uh, we have a, a technology staffing company, and uh, while we really enjoy the time that we spend together in an office, um, uh, we have remote from home capabilities for a long time now, and so the switch was relatively easy. But there's a lot that yeah. we need to do to continue to stay connected, and so yeah, same um, here. we do a lot of things uh, uh, now. Are trying a lot of things anyway, and I think that's a, a big part of this this experience is trying things. You've got to just try new things and give them a yeah. shot and see how they stick. Um, it's very important that uh, that my kids, as much as my employees, aren't defined by their their title or their role or firstborn or second or third or something. You know that that 
we're, we're connected uh, by knowing who we are. And so uh, we try to foster that knowing better through our virtual chats and, and in the home by uh, doing different things uh, to showcase kind of the unique talents of each of our kids. That's a very interesting point. Do you, knowing who we are in terms of talents, do you let children and picking up from what you said about work, just trying stuff, do you let your kids try everything and then they can drop it again after two weeks, for instance, with an instrument? Or do you say, okay, if you choose this, you need to at least do three months and whatever or achieve. Do, I, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Because I do. Wanting I do. to be whatever you want every day is also not working, I find, for kids from a dad's yeah. perspective. Yeah, you know, we uh, we want our kids to make their own choices, both from a, a standpoint of, 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 of choosing things that they're good at choosing things that uh, that go well as much as choosing uh, making decisions and choices that maybe don't go so well and letting them fail on their own, sometimes failing fast. Um, but we like to, I'm probably guilty of, of offering our, 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 our kids an opportunity to try just about anything. And uh, whether it's a, a skateboard or climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or, or uh, which isn't so easy right now being quarantined, but uh, you know, I want them to try different things and, and see how they like it. And I don't force them, uh, force them upon them, but, uh, I certainly encourage them as much as we can. There's a big level of yeah. encouragement right now. That's, that's, that's important in our families, just encouraging each other. It's, it's very motivating for us. And I find that, uh, um, showing a lot of encouragement, which is one of our values is, um, uh, is going a long way towards, towards helping us through times when we feel, uh, uh, you know, just tight and stuck. Yeah. And kids deal with their own problems, you know, they might not be feel difficult to you, but for them, they're like stuff of magnitude. That's really hard. Do you, yeah. um, I want to jump back to your dad and, and that story and especially sure. the cue point of, um, three men in three different generations, you know, you growing up, <clears throat> you were born, your, your oldest sister was already grandmother. And um, you must have had a lot of different, should I say, cultures or viewpoints or how we do things when you grew, when you grew up from around your family. How was that? Or was your family not so connected that you weren't really in contact with them? Because yeah. of, they, you said they were different mothers. So how was that? Because your dad was older or old. Your mother was rather young. Yes. Um, there's already, a, I wouldn't say tension, but like a different level of how you do things and maybe i don't know values or you know the arts obviously connected them i get it yes but then you so it's a very interesting family dynamic what can you share with us what you learned from growing up with all these different pers perspectives well, that you experienced you. yeah you know it, it, it was in retrospect uh very hard um you know i had a difficult time um embracing the age of my father at times i you know i know that in the face of sort of pressures as a kid that um i i would even lie about uh about him meaning you know i, I can recall it sort of haunts me that uh, i remember telling a group of kids that he was actually my grandfather i mean imagine telling some kids that your own father was your grandfather just because he was so old and because you were embarrassed 
And I think that's a reflection of the type of uh, uh, emotional sort of IQ I had and also the sort of pressures of, of trying to fit in. So I had a, I had a hard time fitting in. Um, we were a poor family and we were different. And uh, we lived in a relatively affluent area of, of Northern California. And so fitting in was was very challenging. My father, as, as he got older, uh, was effectively blind, yet he continued to compose music. And my mother was very busy teaching music in the in the public school system. Um, at one point, she was the singular music teacher in 26 different schools. Um, and so she <laughs> was before Zoom. Yes, before <laughs> Zoom, certainly. And uh, you know, so she was exhausted at the end of the day. And and so I had I found myself very independent at a, at a very early age, making my own meals and sort of fending for my own. And it's not something I would necessarily want for my kids. In fact, sometimes I think I sway the other way where I, I, I want to provide for them so much that they, they don't need to have that uh, uh, intensity, that level of, of sort of independent intensity. Although I think in, in ways it's served me well as, as I've grown older. Um, but as you alluded to, the, the influence of the arts uh, sits with me uh, very much, as, especially as I grow older. And I see so much beauty in um, in the world and in our experiences, and uh, I find myself sharing that with my kids in ways that I know is a reflection of of the beauty of music. And so, especially as a father, that becomes uh, something I I, I self amplify even more where uh, I, I, I want to encourage that, that appreciation for all things um, and, and, and the beauty of things, even in our despair. Um, so I think that that's, that's, a, that's a big reflection of growing up in the environment that I did is, 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 is a sense of beauty that comes from the arts and of music. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, despair... Yeah, I guess you're referring to the situation now. And again, if you want to put it on a philosophical or on a on a non-business kind of level, the earth maybe needs this acceleration and it needs to regain this beauty and this connectedness in yeah. by disconnecting. We need yeah. to take a break, bro. We need to stop a bit and you know, then we can continue. But this is it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, me besides I, I, all the business stuff. And people are very sick, but it's also a kind of a cleansing. Uh, um, I think so too. That's I mean, I mean, ar arguably things were were you know in retrospect, uh, perhaps they were too uh, too good to be true. Where uh, the the despair that we're feeling right now might be too uh, too true to be good. Um, but I I mean the despair of other things too. You know, we we lost my my wife lost her father. Uh, little over a year ago and mm -hmm. the way our this is the first time our kids really felt death and um it was so moving uh to see just how vulnerable um they were in in the face of of losing their their papa and um you know to this day and in reading some of my own journal entries from from back then um I found incredible beauty in that. 
um, where I know that they, they, they learned how valuable life is and how short our time really can be. And for, for young kids, that's a, you know, that's, that's an early lesson to, to, to learn. Um, but they, they, they took that very hard. And, and I think it, uh, um, it became something that they channel often. They, they reference their Papa often in a really beautiful way. What would Papa want or how would he, you know, how would he, uh, uh, what would he do here? What would he say? Have you ritualized this, um, his passing, and then, you know, things that, that might have come out of that as a ritual and how you guys dealt with, with the death day? Well, I have my, I have my own sort of paternal rituals. Um, I keep um, uh, a little book for each kid, um, a field note, like a little simple uh, book. In fact, I have them right here. Um, these little, little mm. books. And they're just little simple memo books. And with each, e each one is for each child. This one is for Emily. And what I do is I, I, I write little shorthand notes of moments that, uh, that each, that, that with each child that sort of live with me and stick with me. Uh, they're not meant to be long journal entries, just little shorthand notes. I, I'd never date them. I just simply put in there something that they said during the day or something that they did that was really meaningful, something that I observed. And they're incredibly, uh, uh, it's incredibly rewarding to review them. Uh, and I know that one day when I give these to the kids, they'll be very meaningful to them. Uh, we can look back at, at, at the things that I felt touched me that they did. And they'll know that they've had an impact on making me the man that I am, and that's that's something that's important to me. Uh, and that's a that's a ritual that I that I have among other rituals as a father. You know that what you just said is so so amazing because what you're implying, um, they will know that they've had an impact on me. Is you're implying that you're allowing your children to change you while yes. you're busy changing them. Yes. And that is a very powerful concept because parenting does not go one way. Parenting is not, I tell you and you have to do something now. And real parenting goes both ways. Yes. Thank you for recognizing that. I, 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 I believe that it is a truly, truly virtuous circle in that respect. And I want them to know what kind of an impact they have, not just on me as a father, but on, on their mother and, and on the world around them. I think that that creates a certain causal connection between the words they choose the actions that they take and how they can bring the best out of other people i had an interesting experience philip where late last year uh, i had the extraordinary opportunity to participate in an adventure race that uh, sent me around the world and i was gone from my children for a full month uh, i couldn't tell them where I went. In fact, I can't tell you now because I'm bound by an NDA. And um, imagine this experience where you're gearing up to go around the world and you don't know where you're going to go. And you're going to be gone from your kids on a total digital detox, no phone, uh, no ways to communicate for an entire month uh, with the exception of a life-threatening situation uh, on one hand or the other. And in that, knowing that I was going to be gone for a full month, um, I thought about how my kids would be going to sleep, wondering where their dad was. 
Now it's one thing to to go to sleep and 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 think, oh well, da- daddy's on a backpacking trip somewhere in Colorado. It's another thing to to go to sleep when you're a seven year old girl and wonder where is my daddy on planet Earth. I don't know. I don't know. And knowing that, what I did is I wrote each of my kids several letters uh, in advance, and that in itself was very interesting. Think about writing a letter to your child that they will receive in the future. And when they get that letter, uh, you won't know where you are and they won't know where you are, but they will, uh, they will receive this letter and receive my love by, by getting the, that letter. And so I had my assistant send these letters at staggered time so that each kid would get a letter at a different time. It was so important for me to do this because I wanted to focus on this race without the burden of thinking about whether or not I was being a good dad while I was all out gallivanting around the world on this, this adventure race and the impact that my words and this act had on my kids was really, really profound. And I'm very, very proud of it. And I think it reflects for me, what is very important. Uh, you've heard it through uh, the documentation of, of, of keeping these little field notes about each kid. Um, but this is, this is something also where I, I feel like writing things down, the power of, of channeling your thoughts through a pen to a piece of paper and how the receipt of, of, of a letter is so incredibly powerful and so thoughtful that, uh, uh, you know, and these kids, you know, they've all kept them in their, their little, little drawers and their, where they keep their, their special pictures and their special letters. and. It was a it was a really uh, a valuable parenting lesson for me, where I knew I had to do this, and if I didn't do it, I would have been so disappointed in myself, and I would have been so worried about them while I was gone. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of of thinking you should do something and knowing it's right, and then not doing it. And yeah, that of course. Can, that can really haunt you. And uh, particularly when you have an instinct as a father that you know something is the right thing to do, you you, you have to do it. You need to do it. You have you to need do to it. try it. Yeah. yeah, I know this is very very powerful. What you just said. I I wrote a letter to my oldest daughter Lena uh, that she will receive when I die. She was only three and a half at the time. She's now four and a half, so a year ago. Yeah. But it Beautiful. was also a very, very powerful experience for me. Yeah. It's really, really powerful. You know, like writing a letter that you, like someone might only see when, when you're dead. Yes. And then I wrote another letter that she will get when she's 18. And Wonderful. that's also powerful. Because what I thought what it will do is that you envision a whole period into the future and by making that vision vis- visible in your mind and maybe on paper even, you are setting intentions, even on a sub- even if it's on a subconscious kind of level, but you're setting intentions for that path. And that's why I think it's a very powerful exercise. It, it really is. And it, not only is it visible, but then tangible because she yeah. can hold it and feel it and read it and know that, you know, this is the same paper that, you know, you wrote on when you thought of her, you know, many years ago. 
Uh, have you ever done the letter? It sounds like you've done the, the letter from the other side, so to speak. I've written several of these through some forum exercises where, um, you know, we had to imagine a situation where we were on our way home from a retreat and uh, in the blink of an eye, uh, we got in a car accident and uh, we died. And, you know, after that moment, we had the gift of one opportunity and that was to write a letter from the other side. And then each of us in the forum would go to a separate area around the woods or around the house. And we've done this twice. And uh, you write that letter from the other side and having that perspective of having this gift to just share your gratitude and to, to say the things that are, are, are so meaningful to the one person uh, that you write this letter to and how it is that that person conveys your love to the, to the other people. In, this, in this, both cases, it was to my wife. Um, it's a really, really incredible exercise that, uh, that puts things in Amazing. perspective. Yeah. yeah. Did you give it to her, the letter? I read, it, I read it to her. Uh, to my wife, the first one and the second one I haven't yet shared with her. So, but it, it's, it's and the kind she of knows thing it that, exists. <laughs> yes. Yes. She knows it exists. That's right. <laughs> yep. Okay. No, yeah. that's amazing. Hey, share a little bit more on, uh, I would love to hear more on this whole generational, generational story. If it doesn't bore you, because everybody always asks no. that, I guess. Like, yeah, no, how was your dad? Yeah. I mean, he was obviously a free spirit, you know, married a much younger woman, had this musical, amazing, I read up on him. So he's an amazing artist. And, you know, how was he like, how was his stance as a dad? He had many kids from different wives. And yes, was he just like, how, how did he, did he transition into different periods and then transition out of them again? Or how was he? Yeah, no, thank you. Well, he was very focused on his music at at all times, and um, as a as a father, uh, he loved having kids. I mean, he had six of them, and um, I, I particularly, you know, while I was a surprise, one of his sons, uh, Paul Bacon, died in a in a tragic accident in the early '60s, and uh, he was a world class skier. And um, he had helped to to start the the Vail Ski Club program, which is now world renowned. And uh, he was in a terrible accident, and it really just rocked, you know, um, um, his core. Obviously, to lose a son so tragically, who had so much promise, and it um, uh, obviously didn't expect to ever have another child. And for one, that that has put me in a constant. Uh, position of discovery. I I feel like I am always on a mission to discover who I am and where I came from and 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 who was this 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 brother that I'd never met, who because of his passing and the circumstances that unfolded after that, really I, I mean I never would have been around. I don't think if he hadn't passed. And. Um, so that is uh, that has been a very profound sort of journey for me to continue to discover uh, the people who knew him, uh, who are still alive. As a father, um, 
he was quite uh uh quite stern it was he was he was uh he had a bit of an iron fist you know it was uh, uh he led with uh uh you know his his word meant what he he meant what he said when he said it and he was not to be crossed in many respects he had some uh, um i don't want to say necessarily old school sort of values but uh you know he he wouldn't tolerate uh uh sort of discourse from from what he what he said and you know why would he he was in his you know he was 85 trying to parent a 10 year old you know kid and yeah. uh you know he just couldn't you know <laughs> couldn't handle talking back or <laughs> things like that he's had enough of that so um uh there was there was that element uh certainly too i i remember um you know his he had such a gift with words such an incredible gift to really capture um the attention of anyone who would listen whether he was referencing history or referencing uh uh music or or some type of an experience uh you know going for a, a walk with him was was like you know taking a, a a trip through not just memory lane but through the the sort of history of the world and um so his words just you know are just so strong i've I've been reading his autobiography uh recently because i i I found out oddly enough through one of my nieces who's of course older than me I know that's confusing. <laughs> Of um, <laughs> that uh, of course, um, that my father actually had the Spanish flu in 1918, and oh, so really? um, yeah. So I mean, wouldn't that be interesting if if you know? I'd be naive to think that I won't catch coronavirus. I very well could. Maybe I've already had it and I've been asymptomatic. But um, you know, he lived through the depression uh, uh, and uh, the invention of the car, the television, and uh, World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War, and um, reading through his words has been not just therapeutic, but unbelievably eye-opening. The the humanity that he described experiencing after the Depression uh, was really extraordinary. He was part of the Works Progress Administration Music Project. In fact, he led the WPA in San Francisco at one point. And... Um, you know the the humanity that he references, the sense of community that he references, uh, over and over in his words uh, uh, during and after the depression, uh, gives me a, a lot of optimism and strength. It really provides incredible energy to know that we're we're experiencing the same thing right now. And so yeah. um, um, here I am reading his words while I'm trying to parent my kids through these trying times. And, uh, I mean, again, I, I referenced these, the words, the written words, uh, if he hadn't put those down, I wouldn't be able to channel those into, uh, formulating my own thoughts and my own ways of handling those things. And that's why it's so important for me to journal and to write letters to my kids, uh, so that they can do the same. Thank you for that. I mean, just for that, I'll, I'll start, um, a little booklet for my kids. I think sure. it's an amazing, amazing idea. And, um, you know, on that, on that kindness after such an event like the depression, I think we will have the same. We will have generosity and more connectedness and coming more together. It's already there. I mean, I can see it already. You know, we're yes. talking about 
very evident. Uh, very much. Like how can we, we are still running as a business. So let's start a feeding scheme or get, get attached to one, you know, find one that we can support, um, help them fundraise. We have the knowledge as a digital agency, you know, we adopted the business. Um, in fact, we adopted a, a personal trainer and we do virtual uh, coaching with him now so that just he can survive, you know, and there's a lot of these initiatives going and I think this will only become more because we haven't seen the bottom of this yet and financially no. it's a mega, mega crisis, you know, millions and millions and millions of people will be out of a job yeah, after this. scary. And hopefully we can be there after this and provide a space for work and for to rebuild and this yeah, I think the global community will pull together in that, 100%. I mean, there's I nothing, you know, what else are you going to do? And I think there are going to be two um, two different streams. There will be hyper-localism in a sense, in a positive sense, not tribalism, but hyper-local orientation. You know, I, I started, no jokes, I started a 60 square meter veggie patch a month ago. Yeah. I always had it for fun, but I never like, now it's fully, I'm, I'm working it. <laughs> the next yeah. three months because I'm in Africa you know food's not going to go out but at least it's going to be very annoying if you can't buy lettuce and by the way there will be people who don't have food so then I'll give it away it's fine if I water one lettuce I can water a hundred yeah. and the second thing is and a lot of people are doing that you know I bought more chickens and that and the second um, a uh, area of change I think that we will see or where people will go is obviously hyper digitization we see it now already you know, events are being held online and so on and so on. People understand the technology is available and there will be big run on bringing all those online businesses online as well. Yes. We will be less traveling, which is good. And I think that connecting locally on a local level as well as connecting closer through digital channels will bring the world together more, but this time on a more conscious uh level if you want because in the past connecting locally was not so much really or not so conscious actually but people were just connected digitally really if you understand what i mean yeah, the, yeah. you know we're we're i i think if sport and music really connected us across borders this virus is is connecting us too i mean we all i've always felt that the when you pass someone on a sidewalk um you know they have a struggle uh, we all have a struggle and now we all have this common struggle and it's yeah. it's uniting us in a in a unique way and it's certainly changing our behaviors and you know i i read recently that in 2014 there was a subway strike in london and uh commuters were sort of forced to change their commuting behaviors and once they um, went back, you know, the, 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 the subways opened up again. About 7% of people never changed their new behavior. Uh, I think that's one example where take what we're experiencing now and uh, particularly from a, you know, from a business standpoint, but also from a, a parenting standpoint, I think we'll see a, a much greater significant percentage of, of people whose behaviors change and then stay that way. Um, we're going to be adapting oh, in, in ways that we've yeah. never seen before. And right. we have the technology to adapt. 
uh, and and I hope that it means that uh, uh, there's this um, incredible enlightenment around family because it's become so important to to stick together and and to be safe and to take care of family and and um, and and to bring the best out of each other within the home. Yeah, you're right. And we don't even know what's going to come. But I mean, we don't. on an obvious level, uh, dads and moms who've now tasted the home office will demand a day or two at home. And that's going to have a big impact on family again in a positive manner. Very um, positive. Very, very positive. Can you share a bit, uh, since we're talking about this virus, um, can you share a bit how you're speaking to your children in an age-appropriate manner around this situation we touched on it earlier and you said you obviously don't instill fear but how could concretely how do you speak to them and how do you explain this to a seven-year-old and to an 11-year-old what's going on mine are a bit young for them it's business as usual four three-year-olds having a joel in the house <laughs> yeah i can <laughs> only imagine five maybe kids. the four and a half year olds yeah, yeah. we just have uh, long school holidays but how yeah. do you speak to to your kids about this yeah well i um I come from uh, uh, a, a great position of positivity. It's almost positivity to a fault. Um, optimism and enthusiasm and positivity are, are, are effectively, that's, that, that, is, that is my blood type. And um, so I can't help but uh, um, explain that um, you know there is a light at the end of this tunnel, but that this is a very serious thing. So... In terms of, of of explaining this virus, um, there is the the sort of nuts and bolts of 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 this, where um, you know, washing our hands if it wasn't already important is is now like essential every time you come into the house. You know, to leaving your shoes at the door. Um, there's these sort of regimented things that that we all need to do as a family um, to make sure that we're we're taking we're mitigating um uh steps to to you know to 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 stay healthy um you know we dinner is very important to us and i think dinner is when uh we sort of tackle the uh traditionally when we had dinner it was more how you know talking about how school was the things that we learned um you know i, I would talk about work mama would talk about work and um we've we've gone away from that And one of the things, in a way, we're we're talking about what's happening in 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 the world, and also um, we talk about gratitude. So my wife instituted a, a thing where now at the end of dinner, we uh, we have a little book, and everyone writes down three things they're grateful for, and then they need to we all share them. And uh, sometimes that goes over well. Sometimes the kids don't really want to participate, but uh, <laughs> as long as they write down their gratitudes, they don't okay. have to share them. Um, yeah. but those are the things that we're doing. Um, that's one example of one of the things that we are, we are doing, um, to just remind ourselves of the things that we, we can be grateful for. And some of those are the things that we miss most. Um, we're a skiing family and, you know, we, we often say that a family that skis together stays together. And so it's very hard for us not to be out there skiing every weekend and, and enjoying the mountains, um, like we normally do. But the mountains will be there. They'll be there. They'll, you know, when when this passes, um, and this too shall pass, as they say, and 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 quite rightly, um, uh, we'll have a return to that feeling and to that 
experience that we know very well. So, you know, I, in terms of how we convey this, you know, we communicate that, that this is, is a temporary thing and that we need to make the most of it. And so, um, for instance, uh, my wife and I started learning how to ride unicycles this week. For some reason, we have two unicycles that nobody in this household knows how to ride. We've just acquired them. And so um, <laughs> we want to show the kids that, hey, we've got these unicycles. Let's, let's learn how to ride them. Um, you know, not too long ago, my, my son learned how to, uh, uh, how to solve a Rubik's Cube and he, he's very ambitious and, and became very obsessed with it. And so now we're, in, we sort of supplanted this idea that, hey, what if you could solve the Rubik's Cube while riding a unicycle? And you could just see his wheels turning like, wow, that would be, that would be different. We started, to comp yeah, we started to compost our food and we're, we're starting to uh, build a, a vegetable garden. Not, a, not as vast as yours, but um, these are things that we want to make the most of our time. So we talk about yeah. making the most of our time. We talk about that time so all the time here. Yeah. And so um, my, my kids are all suckers for, for facts. And uh, uh, there's a sort of a fun fact that I like to share that puts a, a, a really unique perspective on how I view time as being our greatest currency. Um, to me, time is, 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 you know, it is the thing that we most want back when we're on our deathbed. And it's the thing that we, we least want to waste, uh, particularly if, 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 you know, we come from a position of, of abundance and, and, and where we, we see beauty in the world. We, time is, is the most important thing. And so do you know the difference between a, a million seconds and a billion seconds, Philip? Billion no. is probably a whole lifetime. I don't know what's a... What's well, so a, a, a million seconds is, is, is a little over 11 days. A billion seconds is a little over 31 years. And so yeah. if you think about the disparity, it's in between a million and a billion seconds. That's quite significant. So what I'd like to think is that, you know, I'm 47 and um, in about 31, 32 years, you know, I'll be 78, almost, you know, almost 80. And uh, I've got about a billion seconds going there. If I, if I live to be 80, that'd be great. So I consider myself a time billionaire. And uh, um, this came up again at the, at the dinner table the other day, um, this notion of, of, of time and, and currency and seconds and how we spend our, our seconds and our, uh, how, how do we recognize the moments there. So my kids are, are, are billionaires. I mean, they've got billions of seconds left on, you know, to live and to enjoy. And that makes them feel rich. That makes them feel wealthy. And in a way that uh, uh, transcends actual, you know, money. Um, and so that's something that we've been having fun with at the house during these trying times. I like times. that. I really like that. Yeah. I mean, our children will be, both our children, they're close enough. They will all be well over a hundred. Because don't forget, medical, uh, medical um, technology also advances. And yes, yes. life expectations is already uh, up. I'm on the billion uh, in in a billion years you'll be in the ripe age for a fourth child. Yeah, sure. That's oh. perfect. That's right. <laughs> so help me. Hey, um Dave, I know just being mindful of time. 
Um, we're pretty much at 50 minutes, so no stress. Um, I just want to make sure that we cover everything. Um, of course. Ask your son if he can also do the dishes on his motorcycle and put that as a challenge after he served the Rubik's uh, Cube. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't brought up yet that's important or that we need to share with our dads and moms who are listening from experience? Yes. Yeah, I, it's important to me that my kids know that their ideas matter, that when they have an idea, that they have the opportunity to be actionable on those ideas. Uh, we took our son to uh, Tanzania, Africa when he was six. Uh, my wife and mother-in-law started a school out there for the Maasai. And when he was at this school, he saw Mount Kilimanjaro and thought, boy, I'd love to climb that mountain. And a couple of years later, when he was eight, he reminded us that he wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And he had this simple idea. It was one sentence. What if we climb Mount Kilimanjaro and we raised money for the school? Well, what if, Benjamin? What if we did that? Flash forward, when he was 10, uh, uh, together, we raised $103,000 for that school. Um, I led a, a, a group of 25 people up to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, and it was an incredible organized effort that brought tears to everyone's eyes. And it's one example where a simple idea became a reality. And it's so important to me that my kids, if they want to build a cardboard city out of boxes, well, then let's start saving our cardboard boxes from all these Amazon deliveries and let's make a, a city or, you know, whatever idea it is that they may have. If you have an idea for a new game, um, my daughter and I were playing ping pong the other day. She's like, I have an idea for a new game of ping pong. Instead of playing it on top of the table, let's play it under the table. And since then <laughs> we've been playing ping pong underneath the ping pong table. Amazing. For and are you winning? For uh, of course not. <laughs> well, it's instead of winning, <laughs> we just try to have as many hits. So it's more of a yeah, of a okay. together game. We try, we try to you're get winning new because records. you're spending time with her. That's right. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose you could plug this idea of 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 harnessing ideas into anything you do. But to me, that's another example of you know she had an idea, and it's like sure, well, why not? Let's give it a try. Let's let's do it. Yeah, and um, that's. That to me is so important when for for a, a child to see and believe that, and also to see that their their parents truly believe that. Um, that when you have an opportunity to to create something or to say yes to something, um, that you give it a shot, that you try, especially if it's going to uh, um, if it falls in line with the kinds of things that that, that makes you ambitious or that that. Uh, uh, it makes you tick. So yeah, even you know, another dad said to me, um, um, "It's trying to think how he worded it. Even if it just gives you an excuse to celebrate your relationship, mm. you know, it doesn't matter if it if it's his was a different context, but you know, the idea of playing the ping pong under the table is." It doesn't matter. It will maybe never turn into an Olympic game, you know, but... Probably not. 
you have the excuse to celebrate the relationship with your daughter by allowing the idea into your lives and to play with it and let it evolve and let her take the lead. And this is, by the way, uh, we're coming full circle here. In a sense, also um, the realization, the very much the realization of your daughter changing you yes. in the parenting uh, uh, experience. And that's why it's very powerful. It doesn't matter if you value the idea as good or bad. It's just an idea. And if you let it go, if you let it flow, um, you can just benefit from it. That's amazing. Well done for that. Thank I you. saw that Kilimanjaro trip. Well done Thank for you. that. Thank and you very school. much. Is that the cap also from the from then from there? No, that this was a gift from another friend. So okay. I believe this means Namaste. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, well, David, on that one, we've reached time. Okay. I thank you so so much from the bottom of my heart. This was really good, and I will start writing. Um, stuff down about my children and how they impact me and how they make me feel happy so they can have this and read this. I do journal yes. already, but I journal for myself or someone might read it, but yeah, this is different in a particular context. This is, I get yep. that. Yep. I will do that. Takes no time. And I hope that, I hope that after Corona, you will come here to Cape Town. We have a cool mountain. It's not really high. Or we meet in Germany. I've always wanted to Munich. go to Table Mountain. I've always wanted to go there. I'm so, here with you for you. Come and, and see me. <laughs> I will. I will. And you have a home here in Colorado, certainly, too. Thank you. I'm an avid skier. I grew up skiing, and I was actually in a... I had to go to the army at the time. I was actually a, a mountain trooper, high-altitude special forces. So I would be very much into that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Pre, Pre-beard, pre-veggie patch, pre-chicken. <laughs> <laughs> amazing cool man thank yeah. you so so much David thank you I'm super stoked to have uh, participated in this it, uh, it's, uh, it's been really enlightening to hear your words and uh, it's what a gift to be able to share uh, my own thoughts and the thing that I'm most grateful for that being a, to be a dad super thank you so much for listening in I really hope you liked the session if you did Please share this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who wants to hear this. Make no mistake, your shares are meaningful and they drive our success. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening in. Hope to catch you next time. Have an awesome day. Ciao.